Hello and welcome to That Damn Wall. My name's Anna and if you're new here, it's so good to have you with us. We talk about breakthrough in this podcast. So if you're new, you're welcome. If you are the OG audience, it's so good to have you again. This episode of That Damn Warm, I'm talking about raining, not shaming. So talking about how to deal with shame. And we're in lockdown. Like, it is so hard, I think, at the moment to just not get into a weird headspace or, like, not just fixate on stuff going on. And I've had a lot of messages from people saying, that, how do you deal with shame in this time? Um, because we can either pick up old habitual habits or start like f- fixing our thoughts, like recurring habitual thoughts on stuff that just isn't good for us, whether that's insecurities or shame of our past or just you know lies that we can believe, like comparison. There's all this stuff on social media where some people look like they are smashing quarantine. Like you look at people, if I see sourdough bread one more time, I just, I don't know, I'm like eating my pizza, (laughs) looking at other people baking, thinking I am not on the same wavelength, although I'd like to be, but do you know what I mean? It's easy to compare and that's obviously I'm making light of something, but actually in a time like right now, I think it can be quite easy for us to just not set our gaze on something that's good for us. So I was walking the other day and I felt like God said that he wanted uh, me to share some of my stuff that I've um, dealt with and that I've gone through. Um, so hopefully it will help you. But also felt like him say, Anna, I want you to talk about th- like 316. So I'm thinking what, John 316. He's like, no, there are other ones in the Bible. And this is 1 Colossians 316. And it says, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly. And I was like, I don't really know what that means. And I'm like, okay, well, what's the message of Christ? It's good news. It's not shameful news. It's not, this is what you should have done. This is um, something where you, you should have done better. You didn't make the mark. That's not the message of Christ. The message of Christ is love is a story of acceptance of someone Jesus who wildly pursued those he loved which is us and it's crazy because I think one of the reasons why I feel I'm like so compelled to talk about this is because I honestly have I've really been struggling with my sleep during lockdown it's like I I physically like cannot switch off until like two I don't know why I think it's just probably because I'm not even doing my one walk a day (laughs) so I'm not getting my exercise unless you consider eating more teasers as exercise. Um, but yeah, anyways, and so I was just going, trying to go to sleep and I I was just like lost. I found myself lost in this um, thought on like, sh- like, surely like God is not that good. Like, and I don't mean that in a heretical sense. I'm just like, he's just so good. It, it, it physically, like I, I cannot get my head around it. And I'm like, I was talking with a mate, I'm like, actually, yeah, that's the good news of God. That's that's how good he is, the fact that we can't even get our head around it. And I think that's why it's so easy for us um, just naturally in life to just think like, surely God, like surely Jesus doesn't love me. Like surely I'm the exception to the rule because I've done X, Y, and Z, but that's the power of the gospel. Like that's how good he is. If he can love me, he can love you. If he can love whatever, like that's how offensive the gospel is. Cause it's like, he's just, he's that good. And I feel it because like I've been through some stuff, like I got divorced a few years ago and it's something that I really carried shame on. And that's not the worst part of my story. It's just something that I've started to talk about a bit more. But I, when I went through my divorce, it it was something that obviously it was painful, but it's not until like I've really started to like unpack it that I'm like, oh, I've actually carried a lot of shame about that and didn't even realize. And then I've punished myself for it thinking like I shouldn't be in the position I'm in or um, like nervous, I don't know, just feeling really bad about it and just fixing on it. And I'm like, actually that's, 
that's not the voice of God. That's the voice of the accuser. And although like, you know, that's just one example. I'm not saying that's the worst thing that's happened to me. I've done like I've just, I really haven't hit the, hit the mark at times. We've all got our measure though. Like there's no, someone's done worse than someone, you know, shame feels real for a lot of different people. And for me, it was like one of my, the things that I really struggled with was, um, the reality that I'd gone through a divorce. And so I started to fix my eyes on this thing. And I was like, how, like, put, and as well, putting myself in boxes, been like, well, I've done this. So that means that I, you know, I can't um, be in a good position of leadership or talk to people, but actually, yes, I can, because what led me to that divorce was a load of other stuff, but it doesn't matter. It's like the voice of God isn't a punishing God. The Bible says that his anger lasts a minute, but his favor lasts a lifetime. So yeah, God God isn't always impressed with our life decisions, but it doesn't stop him loving us. It doesn't stop him saying that he didn't actually, we're the exceptions to the rule and he didn't actually die for us. Yes, he did. Like his favor lasts a lifetime. His love endures. Like his love isn't on a conditional basis that if you do this, then he'll love you. He loves because he loves because he loves because he loves because he crafted you, created you, and wants to be in relationship with you. And I'm I'm speaking passionately about this because it's something that I really had to grasp. And so it's something that I'm so convinced and convicted on. Like you have a seat at the table. It doesn't matter if you put yourself in a box. God didn't put you in a box. God didn't say you're the exception to the rule. Sorry. Sorry, I can't glorify myself through you. You're the exception. I can do it in her next to you. I can do it him on on your other side. Actually, he's saying I want I, he wants to so magnify himself through your story. So it doesn't matter what your shame story is. He'll magnify himself through it. And um and he really is that good. You know that feeling of like when I've been asleep and like surely he's not that good. He actually is. And the fact is I don't think we'll ever will ever get our head around the power and the glory, the gloriousness, if that's even a word, of the cross. Like that's how that's how powerful it is. It's something we can't even understand. And that can be difficult for us not to not understand it, because as humans we're quite rational people. So we want to get it, like we want to understand that, you know, A plus B equals C. But the power of the cross is something so amazing that actually it doesn't make any sense. And so for us to sit in a place of like, I don't get it, surely is God that good? It's easy for us then to be like, no, I'm going to accept my, I'm going to remove myself and be the exception to the rule because actually I've done this. And it's like, we pull out an old file, file from an old filing cabinet and we pull it out and we're like, I've got some evidence as to why I'm not good enough. And then we sit in a place of shame, but that's not what God does. And, um, you know, the Bible, I was just thinking actually just before I started recording, that the way that the Bible describes God is, is the lion and the lamb. So he's the lamb, he's the sacrifice, but he's also the lion, he's the resurrection. And so he embodies, like he is glorified through you, which means like the Bible says that you're resurrected with Christ. So when God, when Jesus rose from the dead, you've got an old man, you've got a part in you that is dead to sin and you've risen from the dead with Jesus. Like when God looks at Jesus, sorry, when God looks at you, he sees Jesus. And so there's a redemption story for you as well. There's a resurrection story for you as well that, you might be looking at your shame of your past, but Jesus can also magnify and resurrect a situation in your life and redeem himself through it. And it's easy to think, yeah, but I've done this and it's a reminder of the past. But like I said, that's the voice of the accuser. And I heard a really good story from um, from Jonathan Hesler and he, or Helser, I can never say his name properly. Anyway, 
he told this story and I tell it to everyone. You've probably, if you know me, you've probably actually heard me say this quite a few times. But there's this story that he shares about these two guys that fought in the war and they said, if we win the war, we're going to meet up in New York and reminisce. And so they won the war. True story. They met up in New York and they were very different leaders. Like one of them was a leader in the sense of he was doing well on Wall Street and the other guy was a leader in his tribe. They met up in Wall Street and um, this Indian tribe leader um, stopped and he heard this sound and he said to the Wall Street guy, can you hear that sound? And this guy was like, no, I can't hear anything. It's Wall Street. It's busy. And he's like, no, but can you hear the sound in the tree? This guy's like, what are you talking about? Anyway, he says, give me the change in your pocket. So this Wall Street guy gives him the change in his pocket, the cash, throws it on the floor and everyone on Wall Street stops and they're like, what are you doing? And he said, you'll always hear the sound of the one you love. And the one that he could hear was this bird in this tree. And he's like, isn't that sound beautiful? Because he loved nature. Whereas the sound of the one people think that people loved on um, Wall Street was money. You'll always hear the sound of the one you love. And he said, he then goes on to say that we can either listen to the voice of the accuser that says, you should have done better. You didn't do that good enough. Listen to your past. Look at what you've done. Pulls out an old file from a filing cabinet and says, look at all the pain that you caused someone. Look at... I don't know, whatever it is, your your past. Look, this is a reason why you're the exception to the rule and why you're not good enough. But that's not what Jesus does. That's the voice of the accuser. But the voice of the one you love is the one that says you're so worthy because Jesus is worthy. That actually he wants to glorify himself through you because he paid the price for you because he loves you. That's the voice of the one you love. And there's this story in the book of Ruth. I don't know if you know the book. If you do, I'm so sorry for repeating it to you. And if you don't, I'm going to share it with you. And there's this story in the book of Ruth. And Ruth and Naomi are two girls who go through it all. Like they lose their family, their husbands, their in-laws. They just lose everything and everyone. The very place that they called home was now, I think the Bible describes it as that they were foreigners in a land. Like they, It was like they didn't even exist in the place that they belonged and they move into this new place and they've got a beautiful relationship in uh, Naomi is the mother-in-law to Ruth and Naomi was in so much pain and she said she said don't call me Naomi don't call me Naomi call me Mara which is to say don't call me pleasant call me bitter and name meanings are powerful you know back in the day it's like what literally what you call someone is what they are so she's like don't even associate me with anything pleasant associate me with something that's painful that's bitter but here, I'm reading that and I'm like, oh my gosh, there are so many times in life where I'm like, don't call me lovable. Don't call me accepted. Call me rejected. Call me unworthy. Call me whatever. <laughs> and I've come up with a name for myself and I've labelled myself with something that isn't actually what God calls me. Naomi's saying, don't call me pleasant, call me bitter and I just wonder what what are the labels that you're putting on yourself because of your past what are the things that you've been dwelling on during isolation that you're like I've done this this and this or I've been comparing myself against this person and I'm just starting to feel a little bit of shame call me not good enough call me unworthy call me unlovable but actually Jesus is calling you wanted paid for dignified intelligent like Jesus is labeling you with a label of good news because he is the good news. He said he says that he wants to restore and redeem himself himself through you because he loves you. And um I remember I was at um I went out for this Indian meal. I love Indian food. 
went out for this uh, meal with my parents and I brought along two of my mates with me and and one of them I love her she um is someone that I met when I was at ministry school in California adore her with her and she brought her friend and so there's my crew of people my mum and dad and their crew of people and we went out for Indian food in East London and uh, the you know we'd had this amazing meal good conversation it was kind of like introducing two like worlds to one another because it was all my mates and then my parents mates and first time meeting and at the end of the meal my dad asks for the bill he's like I need to I'm going to pay for the bill and the waiter comes over and he said oh it's already paid for this guy's actually paid for it and Thomas one of the people we were with had actually covered the bill when we when he went to the bathroom he'd paid for it we were like what Thomas and my mum and dad were like are you mad like we've only just met you you don't even know us how have you paid for the bill and I was thinking about shame stuff the other day and you know, I feel so passionate about it um, in terms of like knowing who we are, like what the voices have got over our life, just because I've actually struggled with shame. So that's why I'm passionate about it. It's not because I've got it all together and I'm perfect. It's that I've had to really break through in it. And so I was thinking about this and God was like, yeah, I know. It's like when Thomas paid for the bill, you were like, what? You don't even know these people. And you might be listening to my podcast because a friend suggested it. You might be listening to it because you've heard all the other ones or whatever your situation is. And you might be thinking, Jesus died for me, but he doesn't even know me. Like, I don't even know him. He's not even my friend. He's a friend of a friend. He doesn't belong to me. But Jesus has paid the bill. Jesus has paid the price so you could have relationship with him. It doesn't matter. Like, even if you're thinking, I've never even prayed. Like, I've never even stepped foot in a church. That's fine. Jesus has still paid the price. He still covered it. You're still loved. You might not know him, but he knows you very well. He actually handcrafted you and designed you because he loves you and he wanted you in the world. And now is your chance to know him. It doesn't matter about the shame in your past. He can deal with that. It's actually already dealt with. It's up to you whether you want to be a trophy of his grace and if you want him to redeem your situation and for him to glorify himself through you. He's paid the price. It's been paid for and it doesn't make sense. And that's the glorious gospel it's like my parent my, my I've got quite generous parents and my dad was almost offended that Thomas had paid he was like but I I wanted to cover it like I didn't even get a choice in the matter he was kind of offended and sometimes the gospel can sound offensive it's like I didn't even ask Jesus to pay the price for me and you're telling me that he's already paid for it and I didn't ask him to do anything but that's how much he loves you you don't even need to ask he literally loves you to death that's the gospel and, you know, I'm saying all this stuff in a, in a passionate way, but shame is genuinely is something that I was like, particularly before I was 30, it's something that I, I had suggest, I don't know, 30 was a big deal for me. Like everyone says turning 30 is, um, is interesting. Like everyone before 30 freaks out about it. And then you turn 30 and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm a living legend. Like suddenly I got all this confidence from nowhere. And I was like, it's because I'm 30. I've just entered a new decade. And, um, for me, you know, just before I turned out, I was like, this is a significant year for me. Like I felt like I was really going into something new. And I just, I didn't want to carry the stuff that I've carried through my twenties. I think when you're, when you're in your teens, you're kind of trying to figure things out. Like where is your place in the world? In the, in your twenties, you're probably thinking, I really do wish I knew my place in the world. I feel like I should have it together. And by the time you're 30, you're a bit like, I know nothing. I'm going to start all over again. (laughs) And so when I turned 30, I was like, oh, I really, I really do want to go into my 30s strong. And um, I had all this stuff from my past, like, like I mentioned, you know, 
failed relationships, divorce, I'd been raped, I'd changed my body physically, I'd had operation for my ex because of the box that he wanted me to fit in to be perfect for him. And I had all this like junk and feeling just not worthy enough, even though I'd broken through in a lot of things, those lies were just like on repeat, you know, on a lonely day or a day like in lockdown where you've got a little bit more time to fixate and and focus on stuff. And I was like, man, but what if I would have changed this? Or what if I would have dealt with this situation differently? Or what if I didn't believe that lie? Or what if I had a better friendship group when I was 10 years old in school? Like what if, or I should have, or just sitting in a place of shame, whatever that looks like for you. And so I like to be super practical about things. I'm quite a practical girl. And so I was like, oh, I'm, I need to write all this stuff down because I'm just carrying it. And the, the like weight of it just felt quite heavy. And so I got a balloon and I got some helium. I must have looked a bit crazy going to the park. And I got some, I think I got some beer and a bit of bread um, and went to the park. And I got a marker pen and wrote everything on that balloon and that was pumped full of helium. I wrote everything on there that I was, that I felt shame and regret and, um, everything that I was just so disappointed with in my 20s and I, everything that I didn't want to carry into my 30s and all the hurt, all the memories. Honestly, this balloon was actually, initially it was white and by the time I'd written everything on there, it looked like a black balloon and um, I'd written everything on there that I could think of in that moment and I took my beer and bread and I did communion and I just, I just prayed and I was like, God, I want to give this to you. I want to let go of this and walk into my 30s strong. And it felt like a, it felt like the most vulnerable thing to let that balloon go because the chances were that actually I was letting my pain go. And that's what happened. I wrote on this balloon, wrote all my stuff on there, took a walk. And uh, I don't know if you know the song, Sales by um, Pat Barrett. And uh, but I listened to that and I let the balloon go and I watched it go into the distance and just disappear and the pain when that happened I was in tears on the street honestly people must have looked at me like I was losing the plot but I felt like man I've actually let it physically go and every time now I think about oh I did this stupid thing or oh man I shouldn't have dealt with the situation that way or whatever or yeah just countless things that I'd, I'd, I'd physically like emotionally held on to and mentally held on to now when I think about it I can now say I've let it go literally because I've literally let it go and I just want to say to you like you have full permission to let it let it go you might have gone through the worst awful experiences in life and for that I'm so sorry that you've been through it or you might have caused the worst possible experiences for someone else and you're feeling shame on that or you might have done some stuff that you're just not proud of or maybe you're just feeling sad Whatever it is that you're focusing on now, whether it's comparison or insecurity or fear of the future, I'd encourage you to write all that stuff down, give it to God, cover yourself and then pray and let it go. And then every time you think of it, you can think I've let it go, literally. And sometimes you need to remind yourself of that every minute and that's okay. I have to remind myself of it quite a lot sometimes. Some days I don't even think about it, but shame can be something that feels like a shadow, but you need to be the one that takes control of it and think, I've let it go. And then Isaiah 61, it says, uh, and part of it, it says that um, 
there will be oaks of righteousness, a display of his splendor, a planting of the Lord for a display of his splendor. And I just wanted to say to you as well, like you, you have the opportunity to realize that you're actually a display of his splendor. God can glorify himself and display himself through you. People can look at your past and easily be like, you did what? Or it might not even be about your past. It might be a habitual situation that you just can't break free of. But that's okay. God can deal with it. You can let it go and know that you're a display of his splendor. I know that when I share my story that it's powerful for people. I'm talking about my full story, not just the part I've mentioned in this podcast. I know that my story is a story of redemption. And when I talk about identity, I know I've got authority in that area because it's something that I had to battle through. And whatever your story is, God can glorify himself through you just as he can glorify himself through me. You can get passionate about stuff, about whatever it is in your life and be a display of his splendor and know that you're glorious because Jesus is glorious. You can never take the limelight from Jesus. He's too glorious. He's too good. And so if you're going through stuff right now, give it to Jesus. Let him display himself through you. Um, without this sounding like hella creepy, um, I'm sure you're all in the same boat, but I'm going to admit to it. When I walk past people's houses, particularly in winter, uh, you can see in them because of the light. <laughs> and um, so I love it. Like I love seeing how people have decorated their Christmas trees at Christmas or how what interior design vibe they've got going on in there because you can see it through the window and, you know, it's easy. And the other day I was walking, I was doing my one walk a day, believe it or not, I actually did a walk that day. And um, I was walking through this through this street and every window was different and they all had a rainbow in it. I was like, oh, that's sick. That's so cool. And then I'm, I'm thinking, oh yeah, I've got like rainbow is a sign of hope when Noah encountered the flood and God was present he put a rainbow in the sky as a mark of his promise and Jesus has a promise over your life and it looks like hope because Jesus is hope and people might be looking into the window of your life being like I wonder what's going on inside of that person but let it be a display of hope for them when people look into my life I'm sure they see a lot of mess but I hope they see hope because I want to be a display of his splendor and, you know, you might be able to see things that you're not proud of when you look into the window of your life, but let the display be a display of hope, not shame. You don't listen, need to listen to the voice of the accuser anymore. You can slide and sit and listen to the voice of the one that you love. Joshua 24 verse 15 says, as for me and my house, we will we will serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Another translation of that is worship. We will worship the Lord. As for me and my house. And I just wonder and want to encourage you in, as for you and your house, like your temple, yourself, your situation, your family, worship God through your situation. Let himself be glorified in you and a sign of worship. Worship isn't listening to the accuser. That's just a lie. He just doesn't want you to listen to Jesus. But Jesus is saying, I can I can glorify myself through you. Let it be worship to God. And sometimes worship is letting go. Sometimes worship costs us something because it can be vulnerable. And you can be like, I don't feel like worshiping God today because I feel so rubbish about life, about lockdown, about my situation, about my family's health. But actually, as for me and my house in this situation, worship the Lord, serve the Lord. And I remember Bill Johnson, yeah, he said, you know, worship can cost you something. Sometimes you don't want to worship. Sometimes that feels costly. Sometimes it feels costly to trust God and to worship him in a face of pain. That can cost something. 
So in this situation where we're in lockdown, in a situation that could feel like it's easier to listen to the voice of the accuser because it approves a lie that you might believe about yourself, worship the Lord, listen to what he's saying over you and sing it back to him. Glorify God, let him magnify himself through you. Yes, your past might not look great, but God looks so good in the future. He's got such a good story over your life, over your future. And it's the same with me, like my past doesn't look too good. I'm training hopefully to be a vicar one day and I'm saying, yeah, I'm also a rape victim. My past doesn't look too good, but there's no point in me carrying shame about it. In fact, I can say, yeah, I've been through stuff and that's how good God is that he can use me, my little voice in a situation and out of hope. So instead of listening to shame, you can now reign in the area. You can rule and reign your fashion terrain and uh, your co-heirs with Christ. Like there's a verse in the Bible, I read it this morning and it says that we're actually, as, as much as God is our inheritance, that we're his inheritance. And when you think, what is inheritance? It's when someone dies and you get something from it that you actually look forward to because it's costly. Jesus died and God's our inheritance, but also Jesus died and we're his inheritance. He actually looks forward to you. You're beautiful you're worthy to him because he paid the price he's covered the bill he's paid for it already so you feel in shame he's paid for it already you don't need to feel that anymore you don't need to pay the bill you don't need to put yourself in the judgment seat because it's paid for it's covered and you're loved you're so loved like the bible says you're not god didn't just love the world he so loved the world he so loves you so i just bless you with this message i pray that you'll feel the voice of the one you love not the voice of the accuser, that you'll know that you're a display of his splendor and that you can rule and reign knowing that you can boldly approach the throne because you're a king and you're a queen because Jesus says you are because he's paid for it. Amen.